Regrettably, we find ourselves today in the most uncertain and anxious of times. All you got to do is turn on the TV, whichever news channel that you listen to. Uh, it is full of uncertainty. It is full of very negative reports and outlooks. We don't know what's going to happen. California is about to burn up. Glad I don't live in California, and we pray for the folks who are affected by that. When our Congress meets next year with a new Democratic majority in the House of Representatives and a Republican majority in the United States Senate, there's a real good possibility that nothing is going to get done. Well, that's just par for the course, isn't it? I've noticed over the years that it really doesn't matter much who's in power. Nothing gets done anyway. Try not to get political. So there's a lot that we can look at that really can make us anxious. But I want to share what the, I believe the Spirit of the Lord led me from the Word of God to share with you this morning that we do not have to allow that to affect us as the children of God. It really doesn't make it. The only thing that matters, be honest with you today, the only thing that matters is that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because stuff's going to happen in a sin-cursed world. You bring it on down to just your, your, our personal lives and experience, bad things happen to good people. Things happen to folks, and you go, well, I wish that hadn't happened to them. But, uh, uh, even on the, the uh, consideration of the, the mass shooters, people who go in. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address that a little bit tonight. But, you know, it's not only the, the bars and clubs that happens, it happens in churches also. Now, we here in this church, we are prepared for any eventuality so that we come gather here together. We do so with the knowledge that this congregation is protected. But it's a crying shame that we have to take those measures, isn't it? So we look at this, you know, and, and, and it's kind of like, well, you know, it's, it's kind of negative and difficult and bad, so to speak, and, and we wonder what kind of world that these precious children that we dedicate are going to live in and grow up in. Well, let's go to the Word of God and find out that there is a truth for us that is encouraging. Verse 28, that's where I wanted to get to. Paul said, and we know, we know, not we don't guess, we're not unsure about what I'm about to say. We know, listen, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Let's break this verse down. All things, he said, that is all inclusive, everything good or bad. Now there are circumstances we look at and say, Brother, how can any good come out of that? Well, we look at it through our perspective. We don't look at it through God's perspective. There are going to be times when things that we look at as negative because we don't have all the information. We look through a glass darkly. Uh, as I've shared with folks over the years when I was a kid, uh, I'd take an <coughs> aluminum foil uh, core. That's where we had paper towels. Aluminum foil. I, I thought I'd get something out of that. I don't want to take a poll here and say how many people remember when we didn't have paper towels, we had, you know, dish rag, what kind of, you know. Anyway, I take this core out and I play pirate and I look through it. And when you do that, you can only see a, a, a very small space, everything else. And that's how we are. We look through that too. We can only see things through our very narrow perspective. But the Lord God Almighty sees everything. 
And there are things that we, that we can't understand and the enemy tries to use to frustrate us that if we could see it from God's perspective, we would go, Oh, now I understand. Amen. So Paul said all things, all inclusive, everything good or bad. And then he went on to say that they work together. They cooperate to achieve a common goal. Everything that happens in the life, listen, of a Christian, of a child of God is working together to achieve a common goal, and that goal is good, for good, a positive outcome. All things work together for good. Amen. Now, isn't that a great place to occupy? That's where I want to live. I want to live in a place where everything that happens in my life is working together for my good. Now, that, that's a biblical truth, but it's difficult for us to embrace because when bad things happen, it hurts really bad, and it's difficult for us to get past our emotions. But the Word of God wants to comfort us today with this truth that if you are a child of God, all things, good or bad, whatever, are working together to accomplish a good thing in your life. Well, how, you know, how, do, you know, how do I achieve this, or how do I get in that position? Well, this is what happens. Well, you have to make the qualifications. To those who love God. Amen. You know, that's what we always say. We have testimony service. But they don't like to testify. Yes, well, go ahead. Stand up and testify. First thing they like to say is, I love the Lord. And we say that without thinking. The first thing is, to those who love God. Amen. When we love God, that love determines our behavior. That love influences our decisions. We do those things that we believe are pleasing in his sight because we love him. Now, if you want to occupy this place where all things work together for your good, the first thing you've got to do is love God. This is from the heart without condition. Amen. Lord, I love you if you'll do that. There ain't no if. Ain't no if. Lord, I love you, period. And then those who were called, ordained by God, and committed to his will. According to his purpose, God's plan and desire. To love him, to be ordained by him, and be committed in my life to his will. If I love him, the commitment comes right along behind it. Amen. We, we fall in love, we get married. 37 years later, you're still married. Amen. We fall in love, we get married. Praise God. We love the Lord, we commit ourselves to his will. We pray the same prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, not my will, but your will be done. We commit ourselves to the will of a faithful creator. We commit ourselves to the will of God because we love him. Amen. And we are called according to his purpose, his plan and his desire. What is God's desire? What is, you know, we talk about, well, God has a you know, wonderful plan for your life. And specifically, he does. But you know what God's desire is? For you to go to heaven. For God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Aren't you glad he has that perspective? Boy, I am. I'm thankful today that it is the desire of God for old Andy to die and go to heaven or for old Andy to be caught up in the resurrection and enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. It is the desire of the Lord to accomplish that end for us that we would inherit an eternal kingdom and live forever in a glorified body in the presence of the Lord now you can't beat that and also to occupy between now and then a place 
where everything that's going on around me is working for my good to achieve a common goal in my life, and that goal is my good. Verse 29, Paul said, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. There is a life-changing work that takes place in each and every believer. Once we are saved, once we have called upon the name of the Lord, our sins have been forgiven. Our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. He just does not leave us there. He continues to perform a work in us for it is his desire for us to be conformed to the image of his son. More than a bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? But the presence of the Spirit of God in us who brings to our remembrance the word of the Lord so that we are faced with decisions and questions, we do those things that we know are pleasing in his sight. Amen. That we might be conformed to the image of his son. That he may be the firstborn among many brethren. He is. Verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Amen. Now, we look at predestination here, not that much as, as for every individual. Certain individuals have been predestined in the Word of God. John the Baptist was predestined in the Word of God. But most of the time when the Scriptures speak about predestination, he's speaking about groups, and most of the time he's speaking about the church. Amen. That we have been predestined. These he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. But in order to experience that justification, when he calls us, we must answer. And when we answer, he chooses us. Isn't that great? The Spirit of the Lord reaches out to us with the gospel of Jesus. It presents the gospel of Jesus to us as truth. We have a crisis moment. We, we are face to face with the absolute truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. <coughs> and that he came to this earth to save us. And once we respond to that call and say, yes, Lord, your will be done, not mine. Lord Jesus, or just very simply, Lord Jesus, please save my rotten hide. And he does. Isn't that great? And whom he is called, he justifies, which means we enter a legal position of one as just as if we have never sinned. Now, we can't do that because our minds don't go there. Our, our fallen nature does not allow us to really have a perfect understanding of this. There's nothing better than justification, folks. Just as if, see, I can forgive you. You run over my dog, I forgive you. I got a dog at the house. If you run over my, that dog, I'd probably give you $20. Dog, you know, my boat. Anyway, that's another sermon. You run over my dog, I can forgive you, but I can't justify you. We are called to forgive. We're not called to justify. We can't do that. We can't put that person in a place before us that is as if they have never done anything wrong. <coughs> you run over my dog, you run over my dog. I can't put you in a place where you haven't run over my dog. But when we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and he saves us, he puts us in a legal standing before the throne of Almighty God just as if we have never, ever sinned once. Woo! Glory! What does that do? That takes the weight off my shoulders. That takes the burden off of me. Praise God. That, that influ influences me. It encourages me to worship the Lord. It encourages me to respond in thanksgiving. 
All of us, if you're saved this morning, you should say, thank God I'm saved. Amen. Whom he justified, listen, he also glorified. What does that mean? Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air coming after you and me. I love that song. Amen. And see, we don't dwell on that. We dwell on all this other junk that's going on. We dwell on the people who are debating on Fox. Oh, don't stand there and look at me. I'll never watch or CNN or God forbid you watch MSNBC. That just, that's just garbage for your brain. Anyway, whatever the current issue, whatever president, and I don't know what President Trump has done today, but I have a good feeling based on history that before the day is over, he's going to do something. That's going to get him in the news. Amen. We look at all this stress and all this junk that's going on, and the Bible said that men's hearts are failing them for fear when they see what's coming on, uh, upon the earth. But we as the children of God, what we have to look forward to is the sound of a trumpet, is the voice of our Savior. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be gone. The dead in Christ are going to be raised. We shall be caught up together with them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord in a glorified body that never gets sick, never gets tired. Hallelujah. And as I shared, and Brother Jeff Statham got tickled on the front it's been years ago. He's sitting on the front pew. I looked at him. I said, Brother Jeff, we can be consoled with this truth. What's that? There ain't no ugly people in heaven. And there ain't. There, and I think about that for a second. There ain't no ugly people in heaven. Amen. I'm not as pretty as I used to be. I know y'all find that as a shock. But if you go and pick up my, you know, my high school annual, you go, hey, brother, that is a pretty, pretty old guy back in high school. Well, I ain't that man anymore. And none of us are. And I'm, dear God, I'll say it again. I, I'm the one pastor that will tell you that all God's children are going to die before the child of God. There is no sting in that death. Praise God. If we could just embrace that truth of what our loving Heavenly Father and our glorious Savior have done to provide for us. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'm going to come back and jerk you off this wretched planet so that where I am, there you may be also. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I know there's that old, you know, that old gospel song, Build Me a Creek, uh, Build Me a Cabin Down by the Creek. There ain't no cabins <laughs> My Father's house are many mansions. He has prepared a glorious place for us that is so wonderful. It has not entered into our mind. Amen. What the Lord has done for those who love him. Our heart, our ears, our senses have not perceived what it is. It is so gloriously wonderful. I'm convinced it would probably just drive us nuts if he were to show us what we had to look forward to. Praise God. Verse 31. What shall we say to these things? God is for us. Who can be against us? That's victory, folks. If God is for us, and that's what the devil don't want us to embrace, the fact that God is for us. The enemy wants us to, to uh, embrace an, an image of God as some old guy with a white beard and a thunderbolt in his hand just ready to zap us good the first time we mess up, and that is not God at all. We have a loving, heavenly Father who loves us so much, he gave his only begotten son to become flesh, to die on that cross and shed his blood so that we might be saved. If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, 
He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Are you telling me that, that the Lord is willing to intervene in my life? Yes. Are you, are you telling me that there are good things that I can experience and receive from the hand of God Almighty? Yes. Hallelujah. If he loves us more, then we can love one another. What sacrifice we would make for someone that we love, he would make a greater sacrifice. What we would do for someone we love, he would do a greater thing for us because the truth is, he loves us more than we can love anybody else. Now that's, you know, I'd, I'd always thought, well, you know, I love my, my wife, love my sons, love my grandchildren. Boy, I love my grandchildren. I thought I'd get an amen out of some grandparents. I'll give you another opportunity because I'm going somewhere with this. We just have to get this foundation laid, all right? I love my grandchildren. Amen. Thank you. I'll get you woke up for it. And I thought, I, nobody could love anybody anymore than I love my grandchildren, but God loves us more than that. I give my sons and have <laughs> last dollar in my billfold, last dime in my pocket. But the Lord goes further than that. Because he loves us. He will freely give us all things. Now let's go to the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 11. Same apostle Paul speaking to the church. Not that I speak in regard to need. We're fixing, we're fixing to get a hold of something here that would stand us in good stead. Not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned. Remember that. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13. We take verse 13 and just pull it out. But we put it in context with the other two verses. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, the number one objective of folks living in this world is contentment. And Madison Avenue sells contentment. And if you turn on your TV, every advertisement that you see on every commercial has something to do with being content. Amen. You can find contentment at the bottom of a liquor bottle. You can find contentment at the bottom of a beer bottle. You can find contentment if you smoke this particular brand of, of this, that, or the other. You can find contentment if you engage in this particular lifestyle. You can find contentment if you buy my brand of butter beans. That's all a lie. Every bit of it. People get married. You know, if, if I marry that person, they'll make me. Listen, don't get married just because you think that person going to make you happy. Because that ain't love. Love ain't all this. I get down where we live now, son. <laughs> love is not that you're sitting beside this beautiful woman whom I love dearly since the time she, okay? We got that in line, right? <laughs> I was adopted a smith. Love is when she's sicker than four dogs and you have to go get a, a washcloth and, wash and wet it and hold her head while she's puking. Boy, that just burns into your mind, don't it? 
contentment is not the actions of another person. Paul said, listen, if we learn this, you could bottle it, you'd be a gazillionaire. Paul said, I have learned. I have learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. Woo! He said, I have learned contentment. If I'm full or if I'm hungry, if I've got everything I need or I don't have anything, if I have abundantly more than I need or if I am lacking, he said, my contentment is not based on my circumstances. I have learned to be content because the apostle Paul had embraced a relationship with God through Christ Jesus our Lord and he knew the end game he knew the end result he knew that this life was just a vapor it's going to be here for a very short period of time and then we're going to be gone and eternity is just that eternity I have learned to be content have you ever been around somebody gripes all the time I mean besides me Cause I whine. I've done it, you know, for years. I got all this stuff. I, you know, I'm in AFib right now. I got diabetes. I got AFib diabetes. I got high cholesterol. I got high blood pressure. And that's what we're discussing out front. Uh, and I'm thankful old, old Brother Thomas has got him a CPAP. I have the worst, let me put this truthfully. I have the worst test record at Harbin Sleep Clinic that they've ever had. That woman come in there and she told me, Mr. Hutchins, why are you alive? Not only does you stop breathing, your heart stops beating. This is the worst we've ever seen. We've never seen anybody this bad. And all your other health problems, you have chronic AFib. You had an ablation. And my heart doctor lied to me. He lied to me. We'll fix you. I said, you ain't God, doc. And my heart was fixed for two days. I was in rhythm. And boy, after that two days, all of a sudden, uh-oh, rut row. I looked Dorothy, I said, honey, guess what? What? I, said, I just jumped. I'm out of rhythm. I went back to the doctor. He said, hey, he said, you want to have another ablation? I said, you like to have a bit? I said, no, I don't, if it's all the same to you. And I'm not saying it just to whine and cry. Listen, what I'm saying is that we can be content no matter what our circumstance is. We're not going to live forever in this body, and I praise God that we're not. Amen. So no matter, no matter what the doctor may tell you, it's this or that or the other. If you are a child of God, you can receive contentment. You can be content in whatever circumstance you find yourself because your contentment is not based on this outward stuff. Your contentment is based upon your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, my peace I give to you. There ain't no other peace like it. He said, my peace I give to you. What is the greatest witness we can have at the church today when everybody else is freaking out? Oh, Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. Why aren't you as upset as I am? You start singing my old song. Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air. And it don't matter what the stock market is, we you know. I could have made a living writing country songs, but I gave it up to preach. 
that peace, that contentment, that understanding that no matter what you face, no matter what comes up, all things work together for good for you. Everything that happens in your life is cooperating, is working together for a common goal of good in your behalf. Well, Brother Andy, I don't, I, I don't understand that because, you know, the doctor told me this or, or you know, uh, something happened or my, my car uh, messed up. My car messed up. I ain't getting it back to Winston. Y'all know that? You ain't seen me driving that Lincoln, have you? I was going down to, to Rome to visit Glenn, and I got about uh, Rome and me. And most time that car knows it sees Rome and me turning in anyhow, you know. Herschel goes, sing, 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 pop. And then I'll, my serpentine belt come off. I won't get it back to Winston. Poor me. Poor pitiful me. You know, it don't matter. It don't matter. All that matters is our relationship with God through Christ Jesus our Lord. All that matters is that we love him, we serve him, amen. We worship him, we submit ourselves to his will in our life, we serve him all the days of our life. I'm going to finish with this. Most of y'all heard this 10,000 times. We've got folks here who ain't heard it once. They're going to hear it now. Solomon was the richest man of his time. He was the king of Israel, son of David. He was the most powerful man of his time. He was the wisest man of his time. He had it all. One thing about Solomon, he had too many wives, and he had too many concubines. But that's just me. I'm content with one wife. I don't need no concubine. Just Dorothy said. He had it all. He had everything this world says. If you can obtain this, you will be content and you'll have it all. Solomon had it all. He was the man. He was the king. All he had to do was snap his finger. Anything he wanted, he had it. He could buy anything he wanted. People looked up to him. Oh, great king. Oh, wise. He had all, all, the, all of the, the, the political power, all of the fame. He had it all. He wrote it down in the book of Ecclesiastes. You know what he, he said? He said, it's nothing. The man who had it all said, it's worthless. It's vanity. It's nothing. I've had it all. I've done it all. Read that book. Some people don't. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. There's a great message there. Solomon said, I just tried, I had comedians come in to make me laugh. Because I thought, well, maybe if I was just happy and laughing all the time, that would be it. And he had the comedians come in, and, and they tried to make him laugh. And, and even after he got through laughing, it was empty. And then he comes down to the end of the book, and he says, you know the only thing that matters? Everybody hold on. You're serving the Lord. He said, it don't matter how much money you got, how much prestige, how much fame, how much knowledge. The only thing that matters, the only thing that will bring you contentment, the only thing that will give you peace is getting your life right with God through Christ Jesus our Lord and submitting yourself to His will. When we do that, we occupy that place where all things work together for our good and we can have this testimony. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Stand to your feet. He's through with me.